with the text today. Psalms 100, verse number four. Look what it says. It says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. I want to talk to you all just for a few moments or as the spirit leads here today, amen, from a subject matter that I think is quite befitting uh, that goes along with our text. And it's just simply the call to thanksgiving, the call to thanksgiving, the call to thanksgiving. As you all are aware of the fact that Thursday, uh, we will carry out a tradition that is as old as America. The fact of the matter is, in 1621, after a terrible year in which half their number died of starvation or disease, the pilgrims set aside three days in December to praise the Lord for a bountiful corn harvest. Many years later, in 1789, President George Washington proclaimed uh, November the 26th as a national day of thanksgiving unto the Lord. And this was in response to God granting American independence from Britain. Then in 1863, Abraham Lincoln, he revived this old tradition of rendering thanks unto the Lord. And finally, in 1941, the United States Congress decreed that the fourth Thursday in November was to be a national day of thanksgiving unto the Lord God. And for many, Thursday is a day when families gather. They eat an enormous meal, they watch football on TV, and uh, most important of all, it is a day when they do not have to go to work, because I just believe that the majority of us <laughs> have Thanksgiving Day off. But I really trust, I really pray that it means more to us than that. Uh, in truth, we must never be guilty of allowing our thanks to wait until Thanksgiving to be expressed. We are to be thankful to the Lord every day of our lives. Fact of the matter is, Paul tells us that being thankful to God is God's will for our lives. He says in 1 Thessalonians, the fifth chapter, verse number 18, he says, in everything, give thanks. For this is, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Yet, my brothers and my sisters, I'm afraid that we are living in a day where there are so many ungrateful people. Uh, children are ungrateful to parents. People are ungrateful to one another. And uh, worse of all, People are ungrateful to God. But thankfully, there are portions of scriptures like the one that I read this morning 
in which we can find not only a challenge and a call to be thankful, but also plenty of reasons why we should thank the Lord for his goodness towards us. And if you don't mind for a few moments, I just want to talk today. But when we analyze this text, Psalms 100, there's some good meat in there. It's not turkey and ham, but it's good meat for uh, the soul. Because when you glance down at verses one and two, uh, the psalmist, he gives us how to enter into his presence. Uh, The psalmist, he opens this psalm by issuing a call to worship and praise before the Lord. He, he, He teaches us how we are to come into God's presence. And by the way, nothing brings us into the presence of the Lord like lifting his holy name. Because, you know, he promises us that he will inhabit, uh, he will dwell in the praises of his people. And so what the psalmist has done here in the first two verses, uh, he's, he's clarifying how we are to enter into the presence of the Lord. Well, let's just kind of just glance down uh, at it for a few moments, because when I read when I read that particular verse, uh, the first thing we ought to do when we come before God's presence, we must enter with shouting. I'm going to say it again. We have to enter with shouting. Listen, he says, make a joyful noise. Now, make a joyful noise come from one uh, Hebrew word, which means uh, to shout. And so uh, vocal praise unto the Lord is kind of uh, uh, out of fashion in our world today. Uh, it seems as though everybody's sophisticated and educated and and they seem to be deep. And, you know, we say it don't it don't take all of that. But you need to understand that when we verbally declare our praise for him, it glorifies his name and brings us into his presence. And oh, may God, may God give us all a shout in our soul that we will find expression on our lips. Can I tell you, when you have a shout in your soul, you cannot help. Amen. You cannot help but to have expressions from your lips. You can't tell me that you got a shout on the inside and nothing comes from your lips. God, may the day come. Well, he'll give us a shout in our soul that will express my God on our lips. Well, he says, number one, we have to enter with shouting. And then in verse number two, the first portion of verse number two, I see where he says that we have to enter with service. 
enter with service. And so we are challenged to serve the Lord with gladness. And that is, that is, we are to never allow our labor for the Lord to become drudgery or to become like it's a, a chore to us. We are not to grow weary in well-doing. You have to understand that the word gladness, it literally means mirth or joy. That is, we are to look upon our service to the Lord as a cause for rejoicing. God, I rejoice because you allow me to come before your presence and to preach to your people every Sunday and teach on every Tuesday. Every every teacher, every preacher, whatever you do in the service of the Lord, it's not be a chore. Oh, but you ought to rejoice while you're doing it. Now, can I tell you, there's a difference between church work and God's work. Hallelujah. You know, church work will wear you out. My God, church work will make you mad if you're not careful. In fact, of the matter is, church work is going to cause some folks to miss heaven. But I'm not concerned about church work. But I want, because we are laborers together with God, just the very fact that God allows us the opportunity to serve alongside of him, you need to understand that there ought to be rejoicing in our souls. And so instead of seeing it as a chore, we we are to view it as a privilege afforded to those who have been redeemed by grace and who have been chosen by the Lord himself to do his work and will in this world. Do you realize, do you realize that obedience is an expression of worship unto the Lord? And so when you consider that Jesus tells us that we prove our love for him by our obedience, then it becomes uh, very clear. And so the psalmist says, enter with a shout. And then he says, enter with service. But then I also see that he says, enter with singing. Hallelujah. First, he tells us to shout. You shout with your mouth. And then he turns around uh, and he says, enter with singing. Now, this word, this word, this word, it literally means a ringing cry. I don't want you to miss it. It means a ringing cry. In other words, lifting our souls unto the Lord through song is a tremendous way to bless his name and to exalt him. Do you know when we were, amen, even during this time, thank God for technology, while the songs were being sung, you could lift your voice up and lift your hands up. I saw some of y'all lifting up your hands. I saw some of y'all crying because you were thankful. I saw some of y'all stand up and begin to praise the Lord. That's what he's referring to here because every child of God, every child of God, you ought to possess a song down in your soul. Uh, For we are commanded to sing our songs of praise unto him. Psalm 68 and 32 says, sing unto God 
ye kingdoms of the earth. Oh, sing praises unto the Lord. Somebody said, I don't have a song. If you say, yes, you do. We have a song that the angels can't sing. And that song is simply, I've been redeemed. I've been washed in the blood of the crucified one. Oh, thank God. Somebody ought to say, I've been redeemed. I see David. I see David in Psalms 40. David declared that along with salvation came a new song of praise unto the Lord. Never hesitate to lift the songs of the heart unto the Lord. It glorifies him when his people are simply willing to exalt him in their songs of rejoicing. Well, unless I preach too long, not only does he shows us our entrance into his presence, but then in verse number three, he shows us our enlightenment concerning his person. I'm going to say it again, our enlightenment concerning his person. You see, every truth learned about the person of God results in a new reason for praise and adoration. The more you know about God, the more you ought to give God praise. If you don't know nothing about him, then just sit there like you don't know him. But the more I know God, the more I strengthen my relationship with God, the more praise is on the inside. You see, God helps us. He helps us that we never reach the place where we fail to be amazed at the person of God because God, he just keeps doing great things for me. Lord, I'm trying to get through this. Hey, my God, he just keeps on every time I turn around. He just keeps on. Somebody ought to shout, make it away. And so God, he don't become stagnant. My God, he just keeps doing new things day after day. Great is that faithfulness. He gives us new mercies every day. He gives us new grace every day. Oh, I thank God for Jesus. Everything we do, my God, the very thing we are, Everything in our lives rises or falls on our perception of just who God really is. And so it becomes imperative that we never forget who we are serving. I'll never forget my God. My God is an awesome God. My God reigns forever and forever. My God, man, let me move on here. My God, he can do what no other power, my God, cannot do. And so it's imperative that we never forget who we are serving. So we serve him with gladness. We are the servants of the living God. And no better than that, we are children of the living God. I'm a child of the most high God. And I give him praise. Well, he says he enlightens us. Well, can I take a few moments? 
and talk about a word about his power. Ah, let's talk about his power. This reminds us of the creative power of God. We are in this world because the Lord in his great power formed man in his image. And that is something for which to praise him. However, beyond his great creative power, there's also his great recreative power. For when we were marred by the stains of sin, thank God he redeemed us and remade us afresh and anew in the image of his darling son. And so just the fact that his power is revealed in the creation of the world is reason enough to praise and glorify his name forever. And then when you add to that fact, just add to that fact, when we add to the fact that he has the power to take old hell-bound sinners and save them by his grace, and transform them into the image of his precious son and take them to heaven when they die. Well, my God, that's just sweetness in the pot. Y'all ain't got to talk back here to me today. That's sweetness in the pot. And so that's just a brief word about his power. But then he says, wait a minute, wait a minute. He said, before you get too far gone, you got to say something about his purchase. You got to say something about his purchase. Because notice what the psalmist says in the text. He says, we are his people. Oh, glory be to God. He says, we are his people. And that is, that is, we are his personal possession. Uh, we are his by virtue of the fact that he paid the price to redeem us from our sins. When we were sold, my God, under sin, praise the name of the Lord. He came and died for us, paying the price to set us free. Well, can I put a little scripture right down Galatians, the third chapter. Yeah. And verse number 13, listen what Paul, listen what Paul says. Paul says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. I don't want you to miss it, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. You got to understand when you see this word redeem, when you see this word redeem, it's a Greek word. The Greek word is ex agoraza, ex agoraza. I ain't gonna get deep on y'all, but when you look at ex agoraza, this word means to take off the market. My God almost jumped over this desk. It means take off the market. In other words, Jesus paid the price for us and we are no longer for sale. Somebody ought to put in the chat, I'm not for sale. I'm not for sale. He took us off the market. He bought us, hallelujah. And guess what? He intends to keep us. 
Mm. He ain't going to trade us in for a newer model. He intends to keep us. And the fact that we are his and his forever is a good reason to shout and give God the praise. Well, I see another scripture. I see another scripture. Peter in 1 Peter. Can I preach the Bible? The first chapter and verse number 18. Now notice what Peter says. Peter says, for as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. Watch what he says. Ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things. Well, when you look at redeemed in 1 Peter 1 and 18, it has a different meaning than the redeemed in Galatians 3.13. When, when Peter says, ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, the Greek word for redeemed with Peter is uh, lotron, lotron. And this word simply means to release after the payment of the purchase price. Anybody ever paid a call? Y'all ain't gonna help me. Well, my God, it is nothing like paying a call and then getting a pink slip uh, in the mail, getting that final pink uh, slip that the card belongs to you. Well, here's what Peter said. Peter says, you know, hallelujah, that ye were not mm, love trunk, my God. In other words, he purchased you. And then guess what happens? Uh, he got the pink slip. You see, it pictures one who buys a slave and then turns that slave a loose. Guess what? That's what Jesus did for us. He bought us off the slave block of sin. And after he redeemed us, he removed us from the cell. And then he set us free. Not free to go and sin, but free to go and serve the Lord our God. And so being redeemed from sin to service is a good reason. We ought to praise the Lord. I'm glad I've been redeemed from sin to service. And for the rest of my life, oh, I hear a song, I'll serve him for the rest of my life. I'll praise him for the rest of my life. Yeah, I'll love him. Thank God, thank God. Hallelujah. Thank God, what time is it? Thank God. <laughs> thank God we are his people. That means we're very special. I don't care what y'all say. I don't have to respond to what you call me. Hallelujah. Because guess what? I'm special. Ah, I'm a child of the most high God. Never let anybody tell you that you are not someone very important. Because you are. Put it in the chat. I'm important. Put it in the chat. Confess it today. <clears throat> Declare it today. That I am important. You are a child of the most high God. Well, I see. I don't only need to talk about the word of his power. 
Hallelujah. I not only need to talk about uh, about his purchase, uh, but I would do this message in injustice if I didn't give you a word about his provisions. Because when you read in this verse, <laughs> uh, this verse reminds us that we are his flock. He said we are the sheep <laughs> of his pasture. And as such, we are under the protective oversight of the good shepherd. I don't care what CNN say. <clears throat> I don't care what NBC, CD, LMNOP say. I don't care what President Trump say. I don't care what none of them say. I need y'all to understand. I'm under the shadows of the Almighty. And he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow. We are his sheep. He is our shepherd. And he's promised every one of us several things that ought to encourage us. The first thing he promised us was his presence. He said, I'll never leave you, nor will I forsake you. The second thing that he promised us was his peace. He says, peace, I leave with you. And he said, I'll keep you in perfect peace if you keep your mind stayed on me. And then the third thing he promised was his provision because my God shall supply every one of my needs according to his riches up in glory. And when I look at his presence, when I look at his peace, when I look at his provision, I cannot help but go to Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I'm going to stop right there. I don't have to lack for anything. Why? Because God, he is my shepherd. Well, let me come hurriedly to a close, even though I just now feel like preaching. Well, we dealt with our entrance into his presence. I talked about our enlightenment concerning his person. But then in verses four and five, let's look at our expression of his praise. Yeah, the expression, our expression of his praise. Because these verses give us... Mm, Three great ways that we can express our praises for the Lord. If he is worthy of our praise, and if we are supposed to glorify him, then we had better know how to do it properly. I need y'all to know something. God's tired of the praise that we've been giving him. Just a praise when we feel like it. Just any old praise or do. We praising him while we're eating bacon. Y'all ain't gonna talk back here to me. We're praising him while we're cutting up our pancakes. The devil is alive. There's a proper way that we must praise the Lord. Ah, God, let me calm down here. Ah, notice what David says. Number one, he tells us that praise should be visible. I don't want you to miss it. Praise should be visible. The psalmist says that we ought to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. 
Uh, this is not an activity that was to be done in a corner where no one could see our hidden praise. No, it ain't in the corner. Uh, uh, yeah, you can praise him by yourself, but every now and then other folk ought to see my God, your praise. Because the Bible says when they see your praise, it causes others to praise God. Hallelujah. Why are you praising him? I'm praising him because he woke me up this morning. That'll cause somebody else to think, well, I've got a right to praise him. Why? Because he woke me up. Have I got a witness in here? Have the Lord been good to anybody? My God. Has he been a bridge over your troubled waters? Has he been your healer? Has he been your strong tower? Has he been your rock in the weary land? Has he been your peace in the midst of confusion? We all got a right to praise the Lord. Well, well, let me close. Let me close. Because notice what he says. Notice what he says. He says the first way we could praise him is by clapping. Hallelujah. You know, y'all, we can. You know, you, you know when you clap, when you clap, you're really praising the Lord. David said in Psalms 47 and 1, oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. This does not convey the idea of an applause. Come on here. We're not applauding the Lord. Y'all been applauding the Lord way too long. We say clap your hands, praise the Lord. No, God's better than that. You know what clap means? Clap, it means a sudden, loud clap that draws the attention to the fact that God is receiving praise from a worshiper. And I'm just wondering here, do I have a worshiper listening? If I got a worshiper, I need you to clap your hands. Yeah, yeah, I mean clap till they turn red, clap till they hurt. Y'all ain't gonna listen to me because when I clap and not applaud God, God knows that there's a true worshiper on the line. Ah, there's a true worshiper on the line. There's a passage of scripture. Can I have about three more minutes? There's a passage of scripture that says, when you clap, it hisses the serpent. In other words, it makes the devil be quiet. Y'all ain't listening to me. You know, some of us, when you applaud, the devil look at you and think that you clapping because of what he's doing to you. But when you clap, the devil know. Devil, I ain't playing with you no more. Maybe you need to just shut your mouth and start clapping. Hallelujah. And let the devil know I'm not playing with you no more. Because when I clap, that's my way of praising God. And then David says, <laughs> In Psalm 63 and 4, he said, we praise God by the lifting of our hands. I dare you to lift your hands up. He says in Psalm 63 and 4, that's when I bless thee when I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. Psalms 114, uh, Psalms 134 and 2. 
He says, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. When the hands are lifted up towards heaven, it's a sign of adoration. It's a sign of praise. Somebody ought to just lift your hand up. Lift your hands up. Back in the Old Testament, they had all of those offerings that we talked about on Thursday in Zoom for Senior. And one of those offerings was a wave offering. I waved my hand to thee, O God, in adoration and in praise. Sometimes I don't have the vocabulary uh, to really express what I want the Lord to know. But when you wave your hand in adoration and in praise, God knows that you are a true worshiper. Well, guess what? Guess what? When you look, (laughs) and I'm finished now, but when you look, not only is clapping, not only is lifting our hands, but dancing. Somebody ought to say dance. (laughs) Did y'all know dancing is a way of praising the God? 2 Samuel 6 and 14 says, and David danced before the Lord with all of his might. In other words, I'm not going to be cute while I do it, but I got to dance before the Lord. You shout with your mouth. You dance with your feet. Pastor, my knees are hurting. I dare you to dance. Pastor, I got arthritis. I dare you to dance. I wish I could dance like Ella Newsome. But most of us only dress halfway down. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Oh, but get yourself prepared. All the way from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. So when I say jump up and dance, we can dance before the Lord. Oh, that's a way of praising it. Mm-hmm. Parents, I can't wait to get back in the church so we can dance. No, I'll tell you what you do. I turn off your smooth jazz. I tell you what to do. Turn off all that other music you're listening to. Put you on some shouting music and get you a pair of shoes and designate those shoes as your shouting shoes or dancing shoes. You ought to dance in your living room, dance in your kitchen, dance in your washroom. And if it's too many people, go in the bathroom and dance. But dance before the Lord. David danced before the Lord. There's nothing wrong with any genuine, visible expression of praise and glory towards the Lord. Well, I'm finished, but praise should be vocal. All you quiet folk, I don't know what to tell you. All you folk that say, I'm not like that, I really don't have an answer for you today. What I do know, according to Psalm 100, verses 1 and 2, the psalmist use words like noise, which means to shout. He used words like singing. None of these can be done in silence. Some of y'all say, oh, I praise him in my heart. Keep on praising him. He says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. You know, when noise filled the house, healing took place. 
Some of y'all just need to fill your house with some praise. You just need to fill your house with some clapping and fill your house with some dancing with the Lord. Fill your house. Because when the house was filled, guess what? That's when healing took place. On the day of Pentecost, when it was fully come, everybody in the upper room, everybody in that room was filled with the Holy Ghost. And so true praise to God manifest itself in a vocal expression. There's nothing wrong with being vocal in our praise to God. And I'm finished, but never, ever let anyone steal the shout that God has placed down in your soul. Don't let nobody take it. Don't let no circumstance take the shout that God has put in your soul. Don't let no lie that they telling on you steal the shout that God has put in your soul. You could be broke as Job's turkey, but whatever you do, don't allow the shout to be removed from your soul. If somebody asks you, do you have some money? Tell them no, but I got a shout. Glory be to God. Do you have a lot of friends? No, but I got a shout because I have to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Oh, ye lay.